Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. This is one of our deep dive episodes. This is our personal vergence, if not in the Force, in the Force Center. This is our magical little island on Octo where we get to talk about deep talk, deep topics. <laughs> talk about deep topics. I can say that three times fast, but I'm not going to now. Anyway, my name is Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Ken Napsuck. We're off to a great start this morning for a wonderful episode because today we are revisiting the prophecy 
of the chosen one. If I'm on that island, Joseph, am I a caretaker, a pork, a baby <laughs> pork? I want to know. Uh, we're going to roll this island. I think we are uh, caretaker pirate husbands who only return to the island every once in a while when we want to talk about Star Wars. And dance. Uh, <laughs> we're going to dive into this one. Just the title alone. Uh, pull up a chair, folks. Uh, grab a notepad. Uh, maybe some strings to attach to a board. We got some ideas, some theories, and just also uh, looking at it, uh, at what it means. This is going to be fun. Before we get there, we want to uh, do a couple things. We want to uh, acknowledge and uh, just pass some force center love and support to our friend, Kevin Smets. Kevin Smets, a lot of you know, as a big movie trivia schmodown competitor. He's known as the smasher over there. Um, we also know him as a great editor. He's been working inside Hollywood on TV shows and, and the like for years. And uh, he was a fan of Force Center. And then we uh, became friends and became a guest and contributor in a way because he started editing the In Memoriam videos that were originally airing uh, as audio only on Spotlight Star Wars. And he's put those out and made those look uh, really great. And they're on our YouTube channel. Uh, Kevin announced this week he has stage three colon cancer and he's uh, it, digging in for a big fight. Uh, he is in uh, great spirits. I've been talking to him. He made a big announcement on the uh, uh, internet program the other day. And uh, obviously a lot of people rallying around him. There is a GoFundMe that's been started and we can give that uh, link in a bit. But, uh, you know, we here, uh, Joseph View as well, obviously, uh, uh, we, we know the guy from the Schmodown and life in general. Great dude. And he's in, uh, he's he got a new wife, a new baby. He actually found two, found out two weeks before he had they had the child, so it, it, it's a tough year for all of us, tough year for the Smets family, but he's digging in, and we want to throw our support behind him. Absolutely, yeah. I, I do not have the pleasure of knowing Kevin as well as you do. You've got to uh, work with him uh, a lot more, but I've been really admiring watching his uh, just uh, ascendancy in the Schmodown, and just, he, he has been, for me, for somebody who's just a little bit involved with the Schmodown, I pop in to do Star Wars, so many uh, friends are involved, so it's always all over my social media feed. It's always just a, at least a little low hum in my life of who's who and what's what and what's going on. And, you know, the Schmodown can be, you know, because it's inspired by wrestling, right? It can be all about uh, conflict and it can be about, oh, who who had the greatest, uh, you know, verbal takedown of somebody else in, in one of their promos. And Kevin has just been this shining star of, I set a goal and I do it. He is just like kind of forever on my social media feed uh, running the Rocky steps. Uh, and to see that is always inspiring to see that just sort of like I set the goal, I meet it, I do it. And to, to see the love that fans have given him for that mm. is really great and really fun uh, for an amazing Internet show like the Schmodown. Uh, mm. But then to see it translate into real life into the Schmodown community and into the general pop culture talking community that Kevin is a part of. And to see him kind of come out with that same spirit of I have a challenge in front of me, uh, but here's what I'm going to do to face it. Here's how I'm going to, you know, run up those rocky steps in this real challenge of real life is really inspiring to take, you know, the fun internet entertainment pop culture stuff we do in bring those skills, that perspective, that heart to something as challenging as the real world challenge that Kevin is facing is just really inspiring to see. Yeah, very inspiring. And um, yeah, I love what you said there about the image of uh, him running up those rocky steps. Uh, the hashtag is smash cancer. Uh, that's been uh, kind of created to help rally around him. 
Like I said, there is a GoFundMe started by Paul Preston of the Movie Guys, uh, who has been a guest here on Four Center. And uh, Paul lost his uh, wife, Karen, to pancreatic cancer at the end of 2019. So he knows what this fight uh, can be like and what it can take. And so he is uh, leading uh, the way with his GoFundMe, uh, GoFundMe.com slash uh, Smash Cancer Help Kevin Smets, if you want to search for it. Uh, we uh, we appreciate it uh, if you want to support Kevin, even if you don't know him, just supporting a, a, a good person who is uh, gearing up for a big fight. We're with you, Kevin. The Force Center family supports you and loves you, and the Force will be with you always. So we uh, will uh, continue our conversation. And as always, we do want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, we have our Four Center Recommends right now, Joseph, an audiobook we think you all should try out on us. That is right. Since this has been the week of prophecy for us as we're building up to this episode, we had recommended Master and Apprentice on Tuesday's episode, which we still recommend. And to just complete the prophecy one-two punch, we are recommending Dooku Jedi Lost by Kevin Scott. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. My prophecy is that at least two people will indeed download Dooku Jedi Lost. Let's see if the prophecy gets misinterpreted, Ken. Uh, you love that. I love that. You're like a palm reader on the side of the road here. And I love it. <laughs> you will buy my wares. That is my prophecy. It's very sincere. Trust me. Uh, that's the fun of the prophecies, right? They are they are so deep and ancient, and they sound so much like they will come to pass. But will they? Let's talk about the big prophecy in Star Wars: the prophecy of the Chosen One. We're going to talk the what, the who, uh, the how, the maybe even the future of prophecies, and like many things in Star Wars, there are clear answers. There are also mysteries that are completely left up to interpretation. Uh, and there are many things that depend greatly on our own points of view as fans. So our common understanding, Ken, of the prophecy, just from dialogue in the prequels, is that a chosen one would be destined to bring balance to the Force by destroying the Sith. How did you feel about that when the prequels first came out? Either just Phantom Menace or once Revenge of the Sith in the whole trilogy had finished. Did you like that prophecy? How did you feel? How do you feel it changed the Star Wars story as you understood it at the time? I, 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 I did love it, and it's it, it, we're starting off right away with a tough question that should be a lot simpler for me to answer. Right? No, <laughs> I did love it. I do enjoy the child of destiny kind of trope in my fantasy. I get why it's there, you know, but my interpretation of it has changed and grown, which we're going to talk about in this episode. And, and I love prophecies that are misread or prophecies that more importantly, like you said, can be misinterpreted based on our own points of view or interpreted, uh, maybe not misinterpreted, maybe interpreted just from where we come from. So it has created bigger questions for me and included the original trilogy at the time, because it would have just been, nah, it's Luke, right? It's Luke. And here's George going, well, I got six chapters to show you that it's Anakin. And that just uh, made me immediately kind of think deeper into what I had watched and viewed and read, including the, you know, the novelizations of the books, uh, the movies in the eighties. So yeah, I, I, yeah, simple answer. I like it. 
I like what it does more than what it presents on the surface. And you always did. You never had any moment in the the litany of various concerns that uh, us original trilogy people had when the prequels first came out. You never had a, I don't think you should be a chosen one. I don't like that. No, I liked it. I think I had a little bit of the, oh, Anakin's Jesus uh, kind of thoughts uh, when Shmi's like, I don't know, there was he just showed up. Kid just showed up. Uh, you know, so I was like, I was more focused on that. But no, I I, I, I honestly didn't. That might speak, again, I, I'm, I'm joking a little bit at my own expense here, but it might have been just me going, great, sounds good. Where's the fighting? <laughs> Fair enough that it was not something that yeah. you were going to be distracted by too much. Yeah, yeah, which, again, I'm looking in the mirror going, eh, maybe, maybe think a little harder sometimes but yeah no i, I just went yeah okay great you know because because I, I i think i did go into the original trilogy as i got a little older luke is the hero um but i also understood more and more what that ending was and that lit, literally you know uh, vader dumps palpatine over the edge and i'm like okay yeah yeah i got it it was a, a, at best it was a team effort you know <laughs> <laughs> so back then again like we'll, we'll get into all your uh your advanced thoughts now uh, but back then, like in 2005, did it make you watch or think about re- the end of Return of the Jedi differently? Did you back then go, oh, there there he is. He's doing it. He's doing the prophecy. I yeah, I think I did. I, it, it added um, it added a little bit more meaning to me uh, before the, the poetry thing was a big meme and joke that went around Um it was like, yeah, okay, it connects. All right, I see it. I see, I see. Um, it's it's the refrain of the chorus, or whatever you want, to, whatever example you want to give. Yeah, so I did, I, I did, uh, I did like it in two thousand five. It just never, it never stood out to me as a big problem. Yeah, I feel, I feel guilty. Should it have? I don't know, but I liked it. <laughs> no, no, I just, uh, I almost feel like I always have to check uh, with people who grew up with the original trilogy. Of, Is this part of the prequels? Was that a problem for you back then? Uh, yeah. Obviously, if you're you're a new listener, uh, we love the prequels. So, but we are we try to be honest about the experience that we had uh, growing up with the original trilogy and having some biases as the prequels first came out. Uh, yeah, so I think you brought up a great point. The uh, born of no father thing definitely does, you know, uh, dovetail with the prophecy. But in a way, I feel like it was like the uh, the thing that drew more attention. So the chosen one thing, I, I don't feel like people obsessed about it as much on the time because it was more. Honestly, I feel like uh, if, if you had a drop down menu of Anakin complaints, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Yippee was maybe at the top, <laughs> then <laughs> built C three PO. Then, you know, uh, no, we that's, that's really directly, you know, biblical from our, our certain point of view. Uh, and then way down at the bottom, chosen one. Like, you know, it, it didn't I don't think it was a huge, you know, uh, uh, problem. You're so right. Oh, my. And that's really funny and insightful uh, as usual, because, yes, you're right. Yippee. 3PO, not something that might change the structure <laughs> or the way you view the original show. You know what I mean? It just, and that's how sometimes modern film, I don't, I don't want to say film criticism, but just, you know, not to go to that discussion. But yes, we, we stop right there. The character said yippee, and that ruined my day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vader doesn't say yippee. That nine-year-old should have said impressive, <laughs> most impressive. Uh, anyway. Anyway, uh, I know it's about the delivery. Mm. Anyway, going to move on. Uh, for myself, like back in the day uh, where I definitely did have some problems and some criticisms and knee-jerk reactions to the prequels, but also really, really 
liked them and didn't have that many people to talk to about the parts that intrigued me. So I just thought about it alone when I was brushing my teeth uh, <laughs> before bed when my mind would wander. But I always kind of liked the prophecy. I think part of that is a function of, you know, I spent uh, a lot of time uh, studying Shakespeare in the various um, high school and college classes I had and in particular really connected with Macbeth. That was like one of the great experiences for me in uh, when I was in 12th grade where the teacher really pulled out the prophecy stuff and really mm -hmm. said, are they making... Did, would Macbeth have made these choices if these witches hadn't told him he was going to? And it was one of those times where like all the students got engaged and everybody's like, the answer's obvious and then shouted like three different answers, you know? <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah. that power of what a prophecy can mean and how we can all kind of see it from our own point of view and, and immediately uh, become very passionate about something that isn't concrete. Uh, and then our actions become concrete around something that is not uh, by its nature concrete. Uh, it was already fascinating to me, and I liked the pressure it put on Anakin. It wasn't just that Qui-Gon was like, this kid, he's got so many midi-chlorians, and he's got a great heart. I got to train him. It was this extra, like, he's not, Qui-Gon treated Anakin as a person and saw Anakin as a person. Uh, right. Anakin very clearly said, saw himself as a person because he says it out loud in Phantom Menace. Um, and his name is Anakin. Uh, but immediately in his introduction to this wide world of the Jedi and the force, he's got this extra baggage that he's not just a person. He is this prophecy. He is the holder of this mm -hmm. idea that it's even unclear how the Jedi even feel about the idea itself, but he's immediately got this baggage. So I really liked the, just the pressure it put on Anakin. Uh, I liked also, you know, the way the story was told, we grew up with the original trilogy. We knew that cute little kid is going to be Darth Vader. So you're sitting there watching the Phantom Menace going, oh, he's the chosen one. That's probably not going to work out. <laughs> yeah. Certainly not going to work out uh, the way that Qui-Gon is hoping right now. So it immediately heightened the tragedy in that mm -hmm. kind of classic tragic storytelling way. Like, you know, a lot of, you know, ancient tragedies, a lot of Greek tragedies are stories where, it, you know, no audience was sitting down going, I wonder if it's going to work out for Oedipus. They <laughs> knew the story already in the pleasures in watching how it happens. And this prophecy really in the prequels, especially Phantom Menace, was really like, remember, this is maybe not going to go well for Anakin. And of course, you know, you have a you can have a different view of it uh, once it's all completed. And uh, if you believe this way, he does complete the prophecy. I think I also like that you touched on it, too, of Star Wars pulls from so many sources, but fantasy is clearly one of them. And this was in the Phantom Menace, uh, something that the Phantom Menace had a lot of things that were a little bit more kind of just realistic of like uh, and people didn't like it that you know like the force is mystical it's not you know uh something that can be right. measured by a chic razor sample that you email you know um kind of thing and the prophecy was sort of pushing against that because that's ooh, that is much more mystical unknowable mm -hmm. fantasy trope yeah and it to me just makes it all it, it elevates everything raises those stakes in that classic sense uh, the idea that uh, Anakin Skywalker was, uh, you know, a navigator on a on a spice freighter who just decided to go bad, uh, you know, that's great. He does a lot of bad things, but he's now to be at the center of all of it, his fall, his redemption, everything. Eh, just uh, it's bigger, raises the stakes. Uh, and and an interesting uh, bringing up the midi chlorians, very interesting to bring up, uh, and maybe we can discuss it. I, I just as you're talking, I'm here uh, thinking of like, gosh, to it's almost like the Jedi were at war with themselves over that. 
you know, and, and, and Master and Apprentice, I think, dives into a little of that, as does Dooku, of just prophecy and the Jedi's version uh, views on it. And, 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 you know, who are the Jedi who are like, well, it's all in the midichlorians and who are the Jedi are like, midichlorians be damned. Uh, these ancient texts tell the way. Like, I don't know. It's, it, it, it opens up a lot of discussion stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, I I love all of what's going on in Master and Apprentice in uh, Dooku Jedi Lost with the competing viewpoints of, well, you should be in the present and obsessing over this these prophecies of the past is this kind of uh, rigidity that is dangerous. And I think that is part of the storytelling. Uh, that, that idea gets really pulled out in the books, but I choose to interpret the actual story of the prequels of the films of yeah, might have been better for them to not worry so much about this prophecy and not be guided by this ephemeral, rigid thing from the past. <laughs> ephemeral and rigid, they can be together. Um, but rather just like, let's just react to Anakin in the moment and, you know, mm -hmm. not obsess over this. Uh, I, I want to jump ahead to the present. <laughs> Speaking of living in the present, uh, in our sort of current takes on the prophecy, uh, if you're going to, if if you'll indulge me, uh, I would love to just share uh, some of my current thinking on it. Love to hear. Okay, here we go. I, I think, and uh, again, you can, as a listener, I think, interpret the text however you want. Uh, this is also some stuff that Lucas himself uh, has said and, uh, and Filoni as well. Uh, but my current take is that balance is indeed the destruction of the Sith it is the light holding the endless advance of the darkness in check. Light and dark exist in nature. They're in balance. But the Sith actively attempt to consume everything. So the light must hold the darkness in check to keep that balance. And Anakin was destined to do this. And Anakin had an opportunity to fulfill the prophecy during the Clone Wars. He personally destroyed Dooku. And then he exposed Sidious to the Jedi and could have allowed Mace to destroy him. But in that moment, Anakin chose the dark side out of fear. And then years later, with the help of his son, he was given another opportunity to destroy the Sith. Anakin uh, defeated Vader by turning away from the dark side and then uh, defeated Sidious by throwing him down a shaft and fulfilled the prophecy and restored the balance by destroying the Sith. What are your thoughts on that? Where do you go with that? It's, it's wonderful. I, I, I'm going to... I apologize to all listeners in advance, uh, in advance. This is one of those episodes where Ken has jotted down a lot of ideas and is trying to maybe whittle away or, or work his way through a lot of them to get to get to some points. So this this will go go some spots, go some ways. But no, I, uh, what you're saying here, I always approach it as a, as, a, as a lifelong fan who, again, sometimes was waiting for the blaster fights to start or waiting for the cool ships to fly in in my youth. And then... Um, see star wars from that point of view a lot too um so therefore i am one of the ones that focus on the jedi versus the sith as opposed to what you're kind of describing here and the, the the light and the dark not necessarily even the light versus the dark but the light and the dark the light with dark whatever you want to phrase you've you've painted a beautiful picture when you say uh, light and dark exist in nature and the light uh, so the light must hold the uh, darkness in, in in check to keep the balance i almost and just envision just light I don't know what that is with a lightsaber just pushing back against a dark wave. Now, the Jedi and Sith are involved in that because I think what you're saying uh, that that moves into what, how we do view it in general of um, the Sith have to be destroyed because they totally want to consume the light. Right? It's this power play. That's what George keeps going back to the the power and the, the greed. greed. Yeah, 
feed and it's never enough. And so unlimited, you might say unlimited power, as you will. So just the idea of balance is now we don't want the light to, you know, or the Jedi in this case to actively do they actively need to need to go out and seek out the Sith and destroy them? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. But we, we believe Jedi are there for knowledge and defense. Uh, so that again, going to the picture, when you say, you say again, uh, the light must hold the darkness in check. To me, that is stand your ground, right? <laughs> stand <laughs> your ground. So again, I'm going all over the place. I know that. Um, but that's where it goes to uh, the concept of uh, the chosen one and the balance and bringing balance. It is destroying the Sith not necessarily because the dark side, because I don't know if you can to me, the light in the dark will always be there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. And I think that is, uh, for me, one of the themes that's going to come up as we discuss the chosen one in the prophecy is, yeah, it's to me, this has never been about eradicating the dark. So it's all light. Uh, everything is happy porgs and they never die. <laughs> and we're always happy. Darkness exists, sadness and pain and, you know, death that gives birth to new life all exists in this natural cycle. What is happening to me to put the, the force out of balance is the active actions of the mm-hmm. Sith, right? The Sith have existed uh, in this rule of two for a long time, and they've certainly caused pain uh, and and suffering. But what Palpatine has done with the Clone Wars as he gears up into his master plan is he is spreading all of this pain and chaos mm-hmm. and accelerating the darkness through his actions. And right. if left unchecked, he will just consume anything joyful. He will ravage every planet to make a, some other weapon of terror. He will suck the life out of, he'll literally suck the life out of anything to give himself more power. And it is those actions. It's not like if Palpatine was just like, I worship the dark side. I'm going to sit on one planet right. <laughs> and I'm going to torture one person. If the Jedi came across us, they'd be like, that's not great. Let me intervene. But yeah. it's not this like endless cycle of consumption. Uh, mm-hmm. And that to me is, is what it's about. And I think that's why that prophecy is that this huge growth is going to be accelerated from the Sith by Palpatine someday. Mm-hmm. And this chosen one must be there to stop it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, the idea of yeah, if, 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 big if they had stayed on, you know, Morbat, Exegol, any, you know, dark rock planet. Uh, prime doesn't matter name name it if they'd stayed there and just held to their corner uh, wouldn't have sat well with the, the light side users but uh, yeah you, going to your point of just their active choices the sith in their own minds are children of destiny as well right this is their destiny to take over so they're making some active choices uh and uh, you need uh, you need to wipe it out therefore <laughs> chosen one is there okay i like that yeah, yeah. Uh, and I will just uh, do a quick shout out. Uh, if anybody wants to listen to more Balance of the Force thoughts, I did do an episode of Star Wars Counseling about this. I will uh, try to dig that up uh, so I can link to that because th- this is such an interesting topic, Ken, because it's it, you can't talk about the Chosen One without talking a lot about uh, the Balance of the Force. But I do want to keep yep. us a little bit focused on the Chosen One uh, himself. So I-, I wanted to ask you, what do you think about the destiny of Anakin doing this, if you accept that the balance of the force is 
that keeping the balance of the force or restoring it after the Sith have advanced is by ending these particular Sith. Do you think he had an opportunity to do it during the Clone Wars? Do you think that there is a world where he could have said, he could have, you know, stood down, mastered his fear and said, I'll, I'll find another way to help Padme and just let <laughs> Mace chop mm-hmm. Sidious in half right there. Would, you know, the, the wills of the force sang with joy because he did fulfill the prophecy in that moment? Or do you think he was always destined to fall and then fulfill the prophecy later? Oh yeah, no, no. I I think uh, it, it, this this big thing of choice uh, that we all, you and I just keep people probably sick of us mentioning it, particularly me. Of just <laughs> destiny is this path of choice. Uh, you know, I know, I know. Our, our goal here today isn't to go deep into uh, anything on Mortis, but the father says to Anakin on there, you know, and for this you join him. Your destiny can change just as quickly as the love in one's heart can fade. Nothing is set in stone. I uh, wrote that down because I really love it, and so I think you're right. I think he could have let it happen right then and there. And that's the problem, right? That's what Palpatine was preying on and playing with that. Uh, not that necessarily he was the chosen one, but just like, I've, I've got something you need, which is this power. I keep dangling over you to keep Padme alive. And so Anakin, that fear consumed him right then and there. But yeah, no, I think along the way it's, it's spiritual, you know, you pray for help and you get the help and you don't take it and you keep asking, well, where's the clear cut answer? You know, those things in life, those kind of old uh, old fables and tales you can tell yourself there. I I, I think that's time and time again, um, you know, something that I can face. Maybe not time and time again, maybe a couple big moments that you've highlighted here. Uh, he's on the path to doing it. Now, the, the destruction, uh, the way he took out Dooku was maybe wrong. Not great. There's check, <laughs> yeah, there's a check by the box and he's gone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I absolutely think, I, I, I think, I think there was, it doesn't, there's no thought in my brain that he had to go through the Vader period. It just, he chose to. Yeah. Oh, you're saying a bunch of things I love. I It's interesting to think that maybe he his path toward fulfilling the prophecy was already uh, destroyed in the Clone Wars era by the way he killed Dooku. You know, and, and I think that's another thing that we wrestle with when we talk about you know, oh, oh, the the Jedi, the peacekeepers, the only way they can uh, keep balance is to find and assassinate these two people who believe in the dark side. Um, and I think to me, that's what it comes down to. All these great themes. Uh, it was really present in a couple of the early Clone Wars episodes that we've been watching and discussing that how you fight matters. Compare the way that Anakin takes out Dooku versus the way Obi-Wan takes out Maul in Rebels, right? Mm-hmm. To watch Obi-Wan in that episode of Rebels, there's he wants to close the old wound. And he, it's just, I need to protect Luke. I, I have no hate for you in my heart, Maul. You killed my master. You killed the love of my life in front of me. Uh, and I don't hate you. I just need to protect Luke. And I'm really sad that I have to do this. And then I'll hold you afterwards, right? Yeah. I think that is the Jedi at their absolute height when it comes to how do you stop the Sith, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Anakin giving into uh, uh, Sidious's prodding of like, you know, you want to cut his head off. He's dangerous. It's revenge. Let it out. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, it is so different. And I think that does matter. And that's really interesting to think like, did, was it impossible at that moment? Because he was fulfilling the prophecy, but not in a way that was healthy for the light side. Mm. Yeah. Mm, that's interesting. I like that idea. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Sorry. Ruminating on that one. <laughs> no, feel feel free to ruminate. Yeah, and I also just wanted to, you know, say the same thing that we talk about a lot with Destiny. And I think the way that I kind of got to that is I, you know, watching Star Wars for years, just really enjoyed almost on a having fun with it joke level how much everybody is constantly telling everybody else what their destiny is. <laughs> just like almost at that level of like, you know, you, you text your spouse of like, we're having Chipotle tonight. It is our destiny. And just like kind of, <laughs> the endless pressure of other people telling people just what they're going to do. And it made me really start wondering about Star Wars relationship with just, Hey, you're, you're on the rails and you're going to this place and you don't get a choice uh, versus there's many moments in Star Wars where characters really espouse choice. Uh, you know, going back to a new hope, Obi-Wan does it a couple times. Leia does it a couple times. Um, and, and that's the reason that that uh, I think you and I really started talking about this idea that's really important to the prophecy of the chosen one of that. There are things in your life that are just a part of who you are, a part of your your journey that you are going to have to face one way or another. And so mm -hmm. almost seeing destiny, not even is this like magical puppet strings, but just like, hey, it's the reality of uh, of your life. Hey, Anakin, you were born incredibly powerful in and everybody is going to expect you to use that power in a certain way. So eventually you are going to be faced with this choice and it's going to be your choice, but you can't just turn away from it. You know, you bring up often the uh, last Jedi novelization where Luke has the dream about staying on Tatooine. And right. that dream is really all about that to me of like, you've got power, Luke, you have to choose how to use it. That is your destiny. It's still your choice how you use it, but that destiny that you have to at some point choose how to use it. That is going to come for you. And that idea to me is, is so rich in Star Wars, but in particular in looking at this prophecy of the chosen one of mm -hmm. was he brought, did destiny bring him to this point of choice multiple times or was, you know, destiny really have their thumb on the scale and say, mm -hmm. it'll happen at this point in your life. It's yeah. It goes into some, some, uh, I don't know if I was going to say deeper, but uh, uh, additional questions about just uh, the, the character of destiny in our stories all along. And it just often we hear them or we're experiencing them kind of knowing the end, like you've talked about. And, and it just, you know, as fans, it's fun to enjoy the journey. But I, I to try to apply it in real life. Yeah, you know, I'm one of those. I'm, I'm a spiritual cat myself, and and have you know things happen the way they're supposed to be. All those, I I, I kind of look at that kind of stuff too. But often, I think it's even I can confuse it and go. I, I look back on where my career really kicked off, or what directions it took, and it's like you meet all these people along the way, and some of those things come out of failures, and you look back and go, oh, it was always supposed to be this way. I was supposed to fail miserably in that area of sketch comedy because that sent me over here and I met that person. And yes, I think I can hold to that. But also that undercuts the fact that all that was really happening was my journey. Things things happened, good or bad, and how I grew from them, from them and chose to use what I learned from those situations forward, including new business relationships, new friendships, is just that's the journey forward. And that to me speaks to choice. I might have always been destined to be on Force Center with you and Jennifer. <laughs> But to get there, you know, you and I meet at a convention. We sit down and have a beer and start talking and, and vibing as, as pop culture nerd friends. We both had choices to move that forward and how we dealt with that, um, you know, including I always I, I saw you on that panel and it was love at first sight. Absolutely. No, but I, I, I saw you and was like, this guy's really funny. 
there's been times in my life where I've saw, seen someone on a show or a panel and said that that person's really funny. I hate them. Um, <laughs> you know, I chose to react to that. And so all that to say, all that I lo- love looking at the real life and where it applies to real life is Anakin. And it will maybe discuss others around him might have thought, oh, your destiny is to be this. It's going to happen that way. Um, but that undercuts the power of the choice and the lessons of the choices and the lessons of the mistakes uh, for the characters, not just us as the viewers and those taken in the story, but for the characters, um, it, you know, it is, you have more power in this uh, journey than, than, than we give ourselves credit for, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so great when you see the characters in star Wars, when, you know, big themes of destiny and choice are being explicitly said to them in a way that, you know, we don't talk that way in general. Like people have, uh, as you're saying, faith and belief, but like, it's not like, you know, you get up every day and somebody tells you what your destiny is. Right. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's powerful to see the characters when they're surrounded by these words and ideas of destiny and choice constantly to remove their own choices. Right. And, and, and say like, well, uh, there's nothing, you know, Anakin in revenge of the Sith gets himself to that point of, I, it's not it's not really my choice he thinks mm-hmm. he has to live because Padme I think Padme will die and I I cannot abide that and he's he kind of pushes away the idea if it's a choice it's just like I well what what else, what else am I going to do these everything's locked in I I'm trapped I got to do this mm-hmm. um and I think that that's fascinating to watch those characters do it because I think we can do that to ourselves um the way you're yeah. talking about like life choices of, you know, different points in life, like uh, mm-hmm. to be sort of like a little over the top and romantic about uh, your life and, and knowing like just from who you are, from your inherent interests, abilities, family, you've got, you know, uh, you've got this incredible creative side that wants to uh, talk to people, literally, like wants to do comedy or, uh, you know, have fun podcasts that entertain people. You have that talent and that instinct to do that but then you also have in your life uh you know uh history in your family of service and that's really important to you so like for me like looking at your life of like because of those intrinsic things about you in your childhood you are going to keep running into those choices of is this a moment where i do this uh, answer to this part of my soul is this a moment where i answer to this part of my soul and even if you're just like you know what screw it I'm going to be a bungee cord instructor. <laughs> Other things, would, artistic opportunities. You'd be on that, you know, uh, that bridge, <laughs> getting people to do their bungee cord jumping. And somebody would say, you've got a great voice. Have you considered radio? And it would just be like your destiny coming to get you because it's part of who you are and you have to make that choice. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. And, and that's what, yeah. Gosh, uh, it's my whole life and focus right there. Uh, and I've, I would never jump off a bridge. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but it's funny, but, but again, yeah. So it, 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 and by the way, I think you and I are discussing the, the same kind of thing here. It's like, it, it's, it's so unclear at times and you could go the magical route and the, and, and a spiritual route, whatever. And I, I don't mean magical as, as a, an undercut of any faith, but uh, cause I, uh, I have that too, but just, you know, it's just like, you could go that way. Hey, this is, I, yeah, radio came calling or you can go, man, I, I was given these skills and what I chose to do to them, you know, I, I could still come back to them. Um, did I make, make the right choice? And also there's a flip side of it too. Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a little different conversation, but like 
uh, I'll throw across the board to like to, to to sports. You're number one draft pick. You're the best player in the world, and everyone tells you you're great. And you get the money now to prove it. You are the chosen one. You're going to save this franchise. And then you get there. And then you're a jerk and you don't practice and <laughs> you, you know, take it all for granted. And we see that time and time again. And that weight of the being the chosen one, I think you're so right to bring it up, Joseph, that in the prequels, it's constantly kind of tossed to Anakin. And that can really poison you too and cloud those choices. So now maybe you're justifying things. Uh, now you're cutting off Dooku's head and you're like, yeah, but I'm the chosen one. And I did choose to do that because I'm supposed to do that. And now it's all discombobulated and murky and muddy yeah yeah i was meant to do that but it still felt wrong and i know i wasn't the way i was supposed to do it but hey it's done what do you want from me i'm the chosen one yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. really powerful stuff um i want to get back to a a line that i think fans really like and uh, enjoy talking about of yoda saying uh maybe the prophecy was misinterpreted if yoda is right in the prophecy was misinterpreted by the Jedi of that era. How do you think it was misinterpreted? What part of it and why? I, I've been, I've been looking at this since you emailed uh, kind of some discussion points over me looking at this and, and trying to figure out the best way to answer. Uh, I, you know, I wonder, I, you know, we always wanted justice for the Jedi. I just think since we do touch now, now that we know the whole story, when we see that in Sith, um, in 2005, we don't necessarily have the whole picture yet or additional chapters to the story, so to speak. But so we can look at it in two different ways. I'm trying to look at it right now as maybe the overall story that we know. Yeah, now. yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with some of the stuff we just talked about. I think the Jedi misinterpreted what that title means and didn't allow for the choice. I think they in that in that particular scene, because they're kind of discussing Anakin going a little wonky, right? Like. I didn't watch it this morning to get the full context. Uh, uh, I'm going a little off memory here. They're kind of like, mm. and Yoda's like, I don't know. Maybe we got it wrong. And Mace is like, yeah, we did. <laughs> that knowing nod. Yep. <laughs> but I, I don't think that's fair to Anakin right there. I think they are not, uh, you know, taking into account that he has some choice. They, they're putting a lot of pressure on him. It's all the things we're kind of talking about. They're doing it themselves that they, they just assume, well, you know, Qui-Gon said he's the chosen one. There's a lot of things that match up to that. He's going to save us all. Why is he not saving us? <laughs> yeah. I just think it's not fair to Anakin. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that there is, uh, in that same scene, you know, Obi-Wan is really standing up for him of like, you know, he's he's never let me down and all that kind of thing. Um, and I feel like there is a little bit of drips of this in different places in Star Wars, uh, but kind of firmly headcanon that part of the reason the Jedi are like, well, these Clone Wars are erupting. It's not our first choice. It's the dark side. Any any war, any violence means the emergence of the dark side. It's clouding our vision. It's not great. We're going to try to fight this war quickly to get it over with, Ayla Secura says, you know, and uh, we're going to try to fight it in terms of, you know, just defense. We're going to go and help people where we can. But I think there's also this like, uh, the Sith are behind this. We know it. Uh, we don't want to be paranoid and just go go around to every senator's office and, you know, check for Sith things and just like fall into that paranoia, that trap that Dooku is trying to set in, in Attack the Clones by telling him half the truth. But I think a, some of their involvement is if we just play the hand that is dealt to us, the Sith will emerge and the chosen one will fulfill the prophecy. 
and that we just mm -hmm. got to play this out until we get to that point that Anakin will fulfill uh, what he is meant to be. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that in 2005, when we see that scene, and Yoda and Mace finally like, yep, that prophecy might be misinterpreted. The rest of us who have uh, lived with the original trilogy for several years are like, yeah, guys, <laughs> right? Yes. Probably misinterpreted that on on some level because this isn't this isn't going to go great for you in uh, in the present right now as we're watching mm -hmm. this movie. But watching it uh, in the big picture with hindsight, with seeing it all, it feels like Yoda and Mace have been in this war now for so long. They did not succeed in bringing it to a swift conclusion. They have made compromise after compromise. Anakin is seeming even more reckless and more unable to let go of his attachments as he grows more powerful uh, and more cocky. And mm -hmm. it just feels like it's spiraling out of control to them. Uh, I wonder, in terms of their questioning of it, if it is if Yoda's mind is now opening up to, uh, yeah, we, we just kind of, played this out and thought maybe this prophecy would come to pass and that would be the end of the Sith. But maybe we were wrong about the timeline. You know, maybe we were wrong about this is the moment that would happen. You know, did that uh, cross Yoda's mind? Uh, we know that Yoda was towards the end of the Clone Wars thinking differently after his experience uh, meeting, uh, realizing that Qui-Gon had retained his identity within the force and meeting the mm -hmm. force priestesses. And he was already really, you know, starting to think differently uh, about things. So by revenge of the Sith, it makes sense to me that he'd be doubting and, and going like, I've lost my way. I need to look at this from every angle. Is it that he, uh, there, there's nothing about when <laughs> this mm -hmm. is supposed to happen. Uh, nothing precise. Uh, and then also I wonder if there's some amount of misinterpretation about, putting too much weight on the chosen one uh, mm -hmm. and questioning as it did eventually play out. Yes. Anakin will take the actions that will eventually fulfill this prophecy, but does anybody really do anything alone? Should we have been paying more attention to our own role into nurturing Anakin as an individual? And, you know, mm -hmm. that it's not entirely the Jedi philosophy who the Jedi definitely have, respect for the individual but really concentrate on the whole of like maybe there is starting to be some doubt or some thought that this is not right to see this as the act of one individual yeah i'm doing uh we, we are in separate parts of the city but i'm doing the finger shake uh you've got such a great point thing going joseph uh <laughs> um to discuss i don't know this is not from a point of uh knowing the answer or being an expert on here but even to go outside of the story a little Little Real World 2005, you're so right. We all see the scene and go, yeah, Luke's the chosen one. And for George Lucas himself to come out either around this time in some promotions and even some featurettes after and go, yeah, this is the story of Anakin being the chosen one. What's well, like, all right, I guess the discussion's over. George said it. <laughs> um, but we, we, we are seeing it from that point of, uh, point of view. And, 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 and the misinterpretation of it was all him all along. Also, a few uh, kind of funnels into this idea. Go with me here. Maybe I'm wrong, but this idea of the Jedi. Now, they've had discussions, especially these three of of the current crop of Jedi or the current generation and, and how what's being destroyed. But we're just all kind of watching this from this view of the Jedi are about to be destroyed by the Sith, which is it's true from a certain point of view and on a certain level. But we all kind of now accept that the Jedi were being destroyed from within by themselves. 
adherence to whatever rules and or not the hubris and all those kind of words we love to throw around. So it all kind of combines up to me in this moment of what you're saying of, man, we left this kid out on an island and he clearly had some problems. Mace is nodding. Yeah, he did from the beginning. Going to some of the stuff you've talked about of uh, we talked about uh, the, the, the attachment lessons and Yoda kind of saying some real problems, some truths, mourn them, do not miss them, do not. And your point, Joseph, of always saying, great, I love that Yoda. Not what he needed to hear or the way he needed to hear it right then and there. I think that all feels into this for Yoda on that journey. And now that we have the complete vision with what we know from the Clone Wars and Qui-Gon and, and uh, the, the wills and all that kind of stuff. I think I think that makes a lot of sense to me, even though I might not be making a lot of sense as I get excited saying it. Yeah, no, saying, I, you know, yeah, you know, you know what I mean. And, and so, therefore, we misinterpreted it too in that moment. You're so right. That's that's where this all starts for me of me going, hey, yeah, it's your son. Yeah, I, yeah. Either it's Luke, or either it's just like, yeah, well, he's not gonna destroy him now. So, yeah, you you guys screwed up in some way because you're all gonna <laughs> right. uh, suffer uh, right now, and a lot of you aren't gonna live. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's. I want to get into that because it's a uh, really interesting uh, perspective from the text of the actual prophecy, which was in Claudia Gray's book, Master and Apprentice, which adds yeah. some beautiful, beautiful wrinkles to it all. Uh, here is the prophecy. Only through sacrifice of many Jedi will the order cleanse the sin done to the nameless. The danger of the past is not past, but sleeps in an egg. When the egg cracks, it will threaten the galaxy entire. When the force itself sickens, past and future must split and combine. A chosen one shall come, born of no father, and through him will ultimate balance in the force be restored. So, (laughs) uh, Ken, what is most interesting, confusing, or fun in this version of the prophecy to you? As Obi-Wan said on Mortis, we are involved in something we don't truly understand. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I... I love this because I just always love a good reference to an egg. Who doesn't love uh, an egg? Um, I like where this starts. I, I'm, my mind is focusing on the start and what really only through the sacrifice of many Jedi, which is, man, that's, that's, that's brutal. Uh, if it's like, look, the Jedi order uh, has some sin uh, and, and there's sin done to the nameless. I'm curious to what you think the nameless is. I don't necessarily have that. Is it the galaxy? Is it the people? Uh, is it, uh, you know, uh, Trace and Rafa, you know, that kind of stuff. It's yeah. Interesting that it's introduced. But the sacrifice of many Jedi, it, it, it's almost, is a force going, this order's got to go. It, it, is what Luke's saying in Last Jedi at one point, is it sort of right? You know, like, you know, um, we believe Jedi, justice for the Jedi and Jedi exist, but we can't deny that the order at this point wasn't what it should be. I don't know. I'm, I'm digging into that a little bit. I, I, I don't know if it's the right spot to start, but that's where my mind goes. Oh yeah. I mean, that, that's where we've been. So let's, let's talk about that. Uh, and that is mm-hmm. the thing that does uh, that, that rings out pretty loud. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Definitely want to talk about some of the uh, egg stuff as well, <laughs> yeah. but for the Jedi. Yeah. I mean, I think this is such a fascinating thing because we talk about, you know, what is star Wars canon? Well, this was released in a canon book, so this is true, but then it's like, mm-hmm. well, but it is a prophecy that some, you know, Jedi Seer wrote down centuries past and, you know, we kind of get to decide as, as readers how much we think it's true, right? Uh, and is there the possibility that a Jedi Seer saw part of the truth or saw the truth from a certain point of view and all those kind of things? So for me, what I really like about that first 
uh, sentence, only this through sacrifice of many Jedi will the order cleanse the sin done to the nameless, is you can definitely interpret it as, oh, no, the prophecy is that Anakin has to fall. The order has to fall in order for that true moment of destiny to come where uh, Anakin can make the choice to defeat Vader and defeat Sidious uh, and show compassion for his son and, and you know, die selflessly uh, in order to save uh, everyone. So it, it could support that, that, the yeah, the Jedi have to die and this path has to be followed. That's the way the prophecy goes. But for me, and I'll, I'll take responsibility from my point of view, it might be because I'm obsessed with justice for the Jedi, Mm-hmm. I feel like what it's what it's saying to me is that change was absolutely necessary for mm-hmm. the Jedi. I mean, through through sacrifice of many many Jedi definitely does sound like death, but right. that could just mean the Clone Wars themselves. Because even without Order sixty six, there was the sacrifice of many Jedi. Right? Poor uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna die, uh, and <laughs> many others. Even Peel, a lot of them die in the actual Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, I think I just go to that larger point of one of the lessons of the prequel films, the prequel era, is that the Jedi lost their way. And so change is necessary for the prophecy to be fulfilled. And I think the the change, we say lots of words, you know, uh, rigid, arrogant, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think what it really boils down to is the the literal flaws the literal hubris i see is losing track of the uh, joy and individuality and compassion because they're they're holding on to their jedi ideals so tight that when anakin first walks in uh, they treat him as a risk before they even smile and treat him as a a child who's away from home for the first time who's cold you know they're so they are so cold to him uh, and that kind of thing goes through uh, the the prequel era. There were definitely moments where there's they're loving and they're they're you know full of uh, humanity, but there's that kind of rigidity and arrogance that leads to a lack of compassion. And I think they are just specifically the Jedi have fallen into their falling uh, into violating their own advice against fear. They are mm-hmm. so consumed with fear of where attachment would lead in their right to be concerned but they become consumed with fear that they don't see the power of attachment as a positive thing and that's where my mind goes ultimately is that when the prophecy is fulfilled if you accept that it's fulfilled at the end of return of the jedi like lucas (laughs) says in interviews um it is because there's a triumph of compassion it is a triumph of Luke showing compassion to his father, having showing mercy, having hope uh, that there can still be this good in him and really believing in it. And that final moment of victory for the chosen one for Anakin wouldn't have been possible without being open to compassion. And so when I think of like the Jedi have to change, the Jedi have to fall if it's philosophical, it really gets into those ideas about we need to let go of our fear and trust that compassion uh, and attachment can be just as much of a um, of a, a benefit, uh, just as much of a gift as it could potentially be a curse. Mm. Yeah, 
uh, yeah, that, 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 that follows. It's like, is, is, if, um, you know, if, if Luke, uh, takes his father's masks, mask off and, and is like, nope, <laughs> you know, no redemption for you. Uh, you messed up. Uh, and Anakin's like, I feel cold. Yep, you are cold. You're out of here. You're dead. You know, <laughs> he got the same kind of treatment when he walked in to uh, the the Jedi Council back in Phantom Menace. Uh, you know, that would have uh, would have been indicative of, of of Luke the Jedi, the Jedi in general, not changing. I like your idea of of, of change. Change is so important. It's 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 the result of choice. So, uh, or one of the results. So, I like that idea. I like starting there. Yeah. Any other thoughts for you on uh, the the sacrifice of the Jedi, the failure of the Jedi, and and do you think it was necessary for them to fall for the prophecy to come true? I don't know if it was necessary for them to fall. Uh, I'll go back to what you just said about change. They chose to fall in a roundabout sort of way. We always keep in mind justice for the Jedi. A lot of things working against them. All right. They're yeah. My point with justice for the Jedi is they're trying. But they yeah. ultimately fail. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and I don't want that to to be lost in anything I'm going to say. But yes, no, I don't think it was necessary for them to fall. It was necessary for them to 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 perhaps see what they had become, or change, or grow, and make adjustments. And I think just like Anakin along the way could have made the choice to fulfill the prophecy. Whether you know, I don't think he's going to be like Mace chop him. That will fulfill the prophecy. But you know, his choices could lead him that way. I think the Jedi could have made different choices along the way, including becoming generals at the head of a, a of clone armies, which could, t- I've, I'm even looking at cleanse the sin done to the nameless. Technically the clones are nameless. You know, could that be ro- rolled into that there too? It's the fun of prophecies. You can take it a lot of different directions, I guess. So. I like, I like that. I, yeah. I, I think of like all the people that they didn't find a way to help because they were too caught up in, well, let's, let's work with the Republic. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do this. Let's, you know, but I love the name, thinking of the nameless as, as the clones. Yeah, it's a sin. I mean, they were they were raised for this, you know. Uh, and great stuff with Rex in season seven on the complicated nation uh, relationship of, of the clones in the war. But this is why they're created, and a Jedi did that, and a Jedi did that probably out of uh, you know a smart tactical plan. I, I think he knew the need, and, and again, Zyphidius, who's factors greatly in a lot of the Dooku stuff, and, and Dooku Jedi lost. Obviously, he's maybe misinterpreting, or you know. Anyways, all that to say, we go to that's a different, maybe different conversation about the clones and, and whatnot. But yeah, I think that 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 that, that works for me too. But anyway, I, to answer your, I just think no, no, I don't, I do not think they had to die. I don't think anyone has to die. Uh, there's some choices involved on, on all sides, but for the, in this case, the Jedi had some choices. But yeah, still, Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I really like that. That's such a great, uh, just simple statement that you made. That's really powerful. Of no one has to die. The Jedi could have made different choices uh they were not i think that yeah maybe that's why i pushed back like yep no the all the jedi had to die <laughs> jenner so had to suffer a lot cassie nander had to suffer like i feel like no they could have made everyone involved could have made different choices that's you know yeah. a, a part of this dance between destiny and choice uh let's talk briefly about eggs and <laughs> the past and future splitting and combining. I got a couple thoughts on those, but I'm curious to see where you go with uh, either the egg or the past and future splitting and combining. Uh, I mean, to me, to me, I don't know. I, I take it a little bit on the surface, uh, and I cook. I cook about an average eight eggs a week. So you know, I'm not an egg expert here, but I, I'm around them a lot. Um, I to me, I just think uh, that 
I don't know. That might even be specific to the chosen one. Uh, the uh, but I, I see it as the Sith too. I see, but I'm, I'm I'm looking at when the egg when when the egg cracks, it will threaten the entire galaxy. That to me speaks a little of, of Anakin because when Anakin starts cracking, you know that ain't good for the galaxy. Mm, um, yeah, oh. yeah. But I think the first part of that, I don't know the the danger of the past is not past. We absolutely know. Hey, the Sith haven't been around for a while, and when they show up in Phantom Menace, you know it's like, uh oh, that ain't good. Um, the so, egg has uh, cracked. The egg is cracked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. The danger of past is not past, but sleeps in an egg. When the egg cracks, it will threaten the galaxy entire. I, I love just the imagery of that. Uh, and the danger of the past is not past. Is it feels like to me saying, yes, the, you think the Sith are gone, but they will rise again. But it also has this larger thing of like, and and people abusing the dark side of the force will never be gone. It, you know, I think that's a, maybe a power of the egg image because the egg is... Uh, fertility, the egg, you know, uh, invites your mind to think of, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg. It's cyclical. It's always going to happen again. That that danger of the dark side or the dark, rather the dark side being abused is never going to be totally past. The egg is always going to crack, which also kind of speaks to some Jedi arrogance of Kiati Mundi going, they didn't come back yeah. <laughs> in Phantom yeah. Menace. Uh, yeah. And then it's got great imagery with obviously uh, the idea of, you know, vader waiting in this fragile shell that is anakin uh or the literally uh vader's meditation chamber um mm-hmm. or you know it, when the egg cracks it will threaten the galaxy entire you, that even just kind of evokes images from uh rise of skywalker and exegol right of mm-hmm. uh being this sort of fragile shell of palpatine snoke literally in a vat i think it's just it's really evocative of lots of images uh yeah. to me it, while having a pretty clear meaning of you know the Sith or other abusers of the dark side are always going to crack that egg open. Mm-hmm. Um, when the force itself sickens, past and future must split and combine. Where does your mind go with that? Uh, I, I, I kind of attention. Well, cause it's followed up by a chosen one shall come. So I guess this, this would happen before I was thinking a little bit of almost like Anakin himself falling is, is a little bit of the, of the past and future split and then and 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 him his redemption is them combining again but but maybe that's wrong because because then the chosen one follows that um so yeah i don't know i think that that to me maybe goes again to the to the to the order but it's just the force itself so who's touched into the force um sith returning i don't know where where do you go with it i'd love to know because uh yeah i'd love to know what do you got yeah, no, I mean, my mind went to the same place as you of, uh, you know, Anakin and Vader uh, splitting. But I think mm-hmm. uh, this is what I, I why I love prophecies and why I think this is really well written uh, by Claudia Gray. Uh, I have some like interpretations that like, I don't know if they're quote unquote true, but they're fun to think about. The past mm-hmm. and the future must split and combine. That makes me think of Anakin uh, being the past and Luke and or Leia uh, together being the future that they literally do split. They uh or they all split and then they all come back together. And then a chosen one shall come born of no father and through him will uh, ultimate balance in the force be restored. Of course, that uh, the interpretation that we're going with, the one that Lucas just straight up says, hey, this is what it is. That's it's Anakin, right? We know that he was literally born of no father, but you can read it if you accept the idea that Anakin and Vader are two different people. And by the time of Luke and Leia's birth, Anakin has been consumed 
and Luke's true father is gone, you could stretch it to say Luke and Leia have no father when they are born. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Trust me, as someone who has seen a lot of theories on who the prince that was promised is in Game of Thrones, you can go real far with your stretching. Yeah, I mean, you know, that makes sense. You know, and it makes sense. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that my my ultimate take on this expanded prophecy is that it has some things that really make you go, oh, yeah, 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 that's absolutely saying this, or yeah, that's absolutely saying this, or it's maybe saying this. And I think it's so well written because that is the power of prophecy to be a little bit open to interpretation and, as Yoda said, misinterpretation. Yeah. It's also great. Uh, Claude Gray does this. And, and again, we we keep making this reference in, the, in this kind of joke. But with George saying, nope, here's the answer. And I am the man in flannel who will tell you like you can really have she still leaves a lot of room to even though we uh, we maybe come to that conclusion because we have to. You could still you could still get really lost in a fun way uh, uh, diving into it. And I, I think that's a testament to her as a writer and a Star Wars writer. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and then we are going to dive into it and look at some other different points of view right after this break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com, that's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com, for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. We are back to talk more prophecy of the chosen one. The chosen ones? Is that controversial? Let's find out. Uh, Ken, this has come up a lot. It's a great, fun wrinkle that was introduced into good old Star Wars canon. Why do you think Obi-Wan came to believe that Luke was the chosen one? This was, of course, uh, put out in that same great episode of Rebels where Obi-Wan has his final confrontation with Maul. What are your thoughts on that? How could he not think that after what he saw and what he went through, right? How could he have not thought that? And to the point of not wanting to create expectations that can't be met in the upcoming Kenobi series. I just, I really would love to see this happen. You know, I don't expect the series just to be Obi-Wan hanging out with some force books, some Jedi books and, and some ghosts and at a, you know, it's a think piece about the chosen one, but I'd love to have that moment of like that happened and this is the future. And it just, it, I don't fault him for it. And I don't necessarily think he's wrong based on some of the stuff, even you're saying of, could it have been beyond, uh, could it be the chosen ones? Like you just, you just said, I, I still think it's the chosen one, but the idea of he's not going to do this alone. He can't do this alone. And the misinterpretation is that you all thought he could do it alone or you all thought he had to do it alone. I'm intrigued by that, of, of, of that flowing into this idea of him, of, of Obi-Wan putting his faith in Luke because he almost has to after what he witnessed. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, he almost has to because I think there's some stuff about Obi Wan uh, watching over Luke, reflecting on how he he feels he personally failed. Anakin, was it that he wasn't enough of a father to him, that he was too much of a brother, that he didn't, uh, you know, uh, treat him uh, as an individual as much as he could have, even though he loved him? Does he beat himself up about uh, those things? Did he not talk with Anakin enough about uh, the Chosen One prophecy and draw out how it made him feel? Did he not do that often enough? All those things circling in his mind. You could go real um, mystical and will of the force and meditation with this, or you could just go with PTSD, Obi-Wan. And like, mm -hmm. he has to believe this. Like he sees that practical reality of Luke is strong. He is so inherently strong, just like his father. Uh, eventually destiny is going to come for him. And I think he's going to be the one to do it. He's going to be the one to be able to physically defeat uh, Vader and the emperor. Uh, and then just allows himself to believe because it is a comforting thing that he needs to believe. Like I was wrong about Anakin. I failed Anakin, but, but Luke is going to, Luke inherited the prophecy and he has the power and he's going to fulfill it. And this idea that Obi-Wan really has to believe it um, is interesting to me uh, for that. He has to believe it for his own kind of mental health. Uh, yeah. But I also like thinking about it is, is there more, uh, you know, deeper and uh, thoughtful? Is it that Obi-Wan can sense how similar Luke is to Anakin in his skills and in his impatience and desire for adventure and, and his passion, how much he cares about people and knowing that that's a, a you know, a gift, but can also be turned into a weakness. Mm. But does he also just see the light in him? Does he see the Padme in him of like, he's so similar to his father, but he does, he has all of these, you know, other just uh, traits of, of the light side that Anakin struggled with. Um, or is it that Obi-Wan recognized that prophecies are open for interpretation and maybe the prophecy was misinterpreted and, and really it always meant Luke. Yeah. So there's like some options to know. First, first of all, again, going to that moment on the shore, Mustafar and then out of the hut, I, there's just, it's hard for me to think that Obi-Wan would be like, Oh, don't worry. We just got to wait 20 years. He's still the chosen one. Anakin is. We just got to wait. There's a lot of bad things got to happen. Or is it that we know he's, we know offspring are a threat to him. So therefore, uh, this kid I've got to protect because his destiny is to go confront and destroy Vader. He is that threat. Um, I once thought there was good in Vader and there isn't. Uh, you know, we have some confrontation either we've already seen or we've yet to see in Star Wars storytelling of one final plea maybe from Anna, from Obi-Wan to Anakin. So uh, th these are all the past to me that are in front of uh, Obi-Wan while he's sitting in that hut going, what the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah. Um, he says, you were the chosen one in past tense, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You were the, 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 the you know, turn that into a, it goes around uh, TikTok a lot. I see, you know, uh, you <laughs> one. Uh, I, I mean, great stuff, great stuff. But yeah, from that point, yeah, and then and and again, we keep getting, you know, you know, Obi Wan's pretty clear on, yeah, 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 yeah. You're gonna have to, it's, you're gonna have to confront your father. Yeah, you're gonna have to confront, and and I think he wants Luke to have the strength to end him without malice in his heart, but to end him because to Obi-Wan, Anakin's gone, which is, of course, the great great story of Luke's triumph. So do you think, even though uh, Lucas, as well as many uh, canon reference guides, clearly <laughs> say 
Anakin is the chosen one. Do you, as a fan, choose to interpret the text that Obi-Wan is right from a certain point of view, that Luke is the chosen one or uh, a part of the <laughs> chosen one strike squad? <laughs> I'll go chosen one strike squad. I think I think he's so close to being right. And we got a little bit of now Yoda and, and the and the new hope from a certain point of view, right, of uh, uh, him kind of like, I, it's Leia. I got to train Leia. That's the chosen one, maybe, you know, like that it is part of uh, part of the whole picture. And that, that just maybe Obi-Wan in this moment, again, going everything we just said here, it's just easier for him to go. This isn't the next line of the prophecy. This is the prophecy. It's Luke um, versus don't worry. We just got to give Anakin some time and some more choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think that, it, that that's pretty clear storytelling to me that Obi-Wan feels poor Anakin is lost. I like to imagine that Obi-Wan is right in, in the way that he loves to be, which is from a certain point of view yeah. that, that he sees something true in Luke. He sees something true in the force that Luke will end the Sith. But what he's really seen is what he can't, imagine because of his own trauma his own pain and experience with losing Anakin that uh Luke's compassion his connection to his father his hope for his father is absolutely necessary for uh Anakin to fulfill the prophecy that Anakin is the one who fulfills the prophecy but he really can't do it without that help from Luke that assist from mm -hmm. Luke much in the same way Luke is the new hope he's the only one around who can make that shot uh, to take out the Death Star and save the Rebellion. But he's not going to make that shot unless Han Solo chooses to mm -hmm. to be there. It chooses to care about something more than himself. And I, I like it from that point of view that there is something in what Obi-Wan sees and what Obi-Wan feels that is right, that Luke is a part of this final act and it could never be done without him. Yeah, I think that's the correct view of it, yeah. It is. It just, it, yeah, again, justice for Obi-Wan drinking in that <laughs> hut. I couldn't imagine him, you know, because again, this speaks to the, you know, if if George had this really, 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 really planned out, you know, and, and thought, oh, I'm going to go back and make one, two, and three, you know, it may be in the hut or maybe on Dagobah, maybe at some point this gets brought up. It doesn't because that's the realities of how these movies and stories were, were put together and made. But I, I can see in Obi-Wan's head in that hut of him just like, it's just easier. Uh, but realizing Luke has to be part of it. It's the, 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 the Han thing you brought up is great too. Cause that is goes to a lot of what we were talking about of just um, the light and dark don't necessarily have titles, Jedi and Sith on them. Number one, uh, all the time. And uh, you know, um, the light wants to be there to hold back the darkness any way it can. And yeah. You just choose to plug into that. Yeah. And he, he sees correctly that Luke uh, will resist the temptation of the dark side and choose yeah. the light. Here's just kind of a fun thing to imagine. Um, the prophecy uh, in general is talked about. This is mentioned in a couple different resources, books and visual dictionaries that the prophecy is, uh, you know, canonically about the Sith uh, because they are the ones who are currently uh, abusing the dark side, uh, to, to use that turn of phrase. So here's a, a fun thing to imagine. What if in the era of the Clone Wars, Anakin overcomes his fear, he ends Dooku, uh, he ends uh, Sidious's reign of terror. The Empire does not rise. Does Darth Maul rise? Or does he fail to become a great enough threat to prevent the balance in the Force? Or does Anakin have to go, ah, I, I gotta take him out too? 
Um, this is great. Oh, I love good what ifs. Um, uh, to me, Maul, not Darth, but Maul wants power. So I could see him reseeking that title of Darth. Uh, it's just another way forward. And it finds a way to as- ascend, uh, which also, uh, which begs, <laughs> begs this silly question. Like, do you have to sign paperwork to join the Sith? <laughs> yeah, you know, how do you get your Darth pin back? Yeah. Yeah, because look, it's a rule of two. I get that. It's carried on for generations and generations. Boom, now it's gone. So good if you have just said, cool, I'm I'm a Sith again. I'm I'm the new one. Or is there some ruling body? We I know there isn't. You know, you know, you know what I mean? Like, does he confer with force ghosts? Uh <laughs> Something like that. I, you know, yeah, that, he goes to uh, goes to Darth Bane's uh, spirit. Yeah. yeah, that one. Yeah, and then we see that in Clone Wars, and they're all like, "All right, we've had a vote. You're back in. You're back in." Um, it's just just a side note. So anyways, um, I I think of them all in the end. I think he would fear Anakin. Uh, also, we see a little bit of that in Rebels, right? He fears Vader. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. doesn't feel like powerful than him. And then I think because he just wants power over anything to fill his vengeance whole you know vengeance size hole in his heart i think he might have been just happy with criminal syndicate power um i think he might have i don't know yeah i yeah i i included this just for for fun but then it really made me think more about my own take that this isn't just about the existence of sith it is about the existence uh you know it's not like hey if you use the name darth (laughs) the jedi are coming for you it's more about the actions, right? It is about this is the triumph of Sidious. The the Sith existed, you know, two by two for generations. And I'm sure anyone who came in contact with them suffered and they slowly, slowly amassed power. But it was only when uh, Sidious emerged and the plan started to come to fruition that he had the power to abuse the dark side at this scale that mm-hmm. disrupts the balance. And that's really interesting to think about. Uh, Maul is this tragic figure who could, who has, you know, who has been tortured since he was a child to believe these things and, and just can't walk away from revenge and a, mm-hmm. a lust for power. And that's just all he knows. Um, but could he actually achieve it in a measurable way? Because crime goes on. Crime is, you know, a part of the dark side. Innocents die. It is sad. The Jedi try to protect them wherever. But that's, I think, where we get into, like, the balance of the dark side and the light of, like, horrible things happen. They should be prevented whenever possible. But it it does happen. It is a part of our nature that all sentient creatures have to wrestle with that darkness. When it's out of balance is when somebody like Sidious manages to get the entire galaxy at his sway and just throw them at each other in constant conflict and violence and i think maybe maul would not have been able to achieve that and i think you could have you know there'd be a great what if comic book of you know maul tracking down anakin is like you haven't restored the balance of the force i'm still here <laughs> and obi-wan going it's actually fine <laughs> yeah he's not he's not i mean you need to be stopped because you're hurting people but yeah. you know the force is fine <laughs> and maul just getting more and more mad no no oh. <laughs> I'm a threat. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe that is the story. Maybe he could have found a way uh, with the the rest of the Sith gone to amass that kind of power to to cause such imbalance in the Force. Who knows? Poor, poor Maul. <laughs> it's weird to feel bad for a guy because he coun't kill better. It is. It is. And it, well, now this uh, it's kind of additional wrinkle we've got recently of him being like kind of upset and 
a little butt hurt that, uh, you know, I was a force sensitive kid. The Jedi didn't come sneaking me out to join their team. Oh, yeah. No, I love that is that that there's all this mystical stuff. Right. But then there's just kind of like relatable psychology of just like he's been taught they're liars and hypocrites. And, you know, they're they're everything. Any bad thing that ever happened to you, it's because the Jedi claim they protect people. They claim they take in people like you. They didn't do it to you. They're liars. They're hypocrites. Like that's just some good old straight up earth propaganda. <laughs> well done. Well told. Absolutely. Um, I want to move on to this other idea. So there's so much that's made of how powerful Anakin is. And that's, uh, you know, a lot of the literal discussion snippets that we get in the actual prequel films of him being the chosen one of like his powers are so great. He's so far beyond everyone, but it's also made him arrogant. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's evidence that he is the chosen one. But ultimately, when Anakin does fulfill the prophecy, is it about raw power or is it more about personal decision and opportunity and destiny uh, coming knocking? I, I think in, in, that, in that moment, in the throne room, Return of the Jedi, other than maybe he's he's a pretty strong dude that can lift up Palpatine pretty easy, you know. Kill him, you know. Other than that, power, you know. And he's how got, many Palpatines can you bench? Is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's clearly got skills. It's part of it. He's cl- clearly got high midi chlorian count. He's a great pod racer. All that stuff. But I think it comes down to uh, with that, with that, no surprise here that this is my answer, or maybe our answer collectively as a, as a podcast. But that what he does is almost it's powerful on such a spiritual level, right? Such an emotional level, not a strength level. Uh, uh, it is, it is not, um, out of hacking lightsabers and everything. He is just very, very humble in that moment. He's sacrificing himself, uh, my life for your life and the lives of many other. It's such a personal decision in that moment. And he had the opportunity presented with that choice again, I am not going to let this happen. I'm not going to let that my son be destroyed. I'm not going to uh, uh, give into uh, you know what I've what I have been given into for so long. So he makes this kind of small giant choice. Yeah, I, I really love the storytelling with the the Jedi. There's a kind of uh, about what power really means and how important is it to be very powerful. And yeah, of course there are tons of moments in Anakin's uh, life as a Jedi where his, his advanced skills and his raw power makes a difference and he saves the day or uh, certainly when he's Vader and he's uh, playing for the other team, as it were, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there uh, you see, you know, nothing here, but fear and dead man. And he slaughters everyone. His power makes a difference in the fate of the galaxy and the fate of tons of individuals so mm-hmm. it's not like power doesn't matter and i love that little conversation about it in the last jedi where you know when luke is disillusioned he's saying like yeah the force is not a power you have it's not about moving rocks and then at the end ray saves everyone by moving some rocks because practical power does matter so like mm-hmm. there's these great conversations about those kind of things but it's fascinating to see that all of this emphasis was kind of put on almost like the back of the trading card stats for Vader of he has 47 force points and that's more than anybody. Mm-hmm. And in the moment that matters most, that doesn't matter, right? Unless Palpatine mm-hmm. is the heaviest wrinkled old evil man ever. <laughs> it mm-hmm. isn't about raw power. It's about choice. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And I just think that's yep. that fascinating. It's not to say raw power doesn't ever matter, but in this moment, in this, you know, maybe one of the most important moments in the saga, it, it is just about, are you going to do the right thing? Yeah. You know, there, it, I think there's a lot of courage on Vader turned Anakin in that moment. I think there could have been more courage shown 20 years prior, but he didn't. And the journey is again, like we keep talking about, okay, you didn't then can you now? And, and that's the choice right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I want to uh, address uh, the Bantha in the room with uh, this uh, discussion of the prophecy of the chosen one. <laughs> I know some people feel strongly about this, and it's one of the obstacles to enjoying The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, do you think Darth Sidious's return in The Rise of Skywalker undermines the prophecy of the Chosen One and I the accomplishment several, of Anakin? Yeah, I watched several YouTube videos. The answer is uh, yes, it does undermine the prophecy. <laughs> uh, look, I'll, I'll say this. As someone who I'm, I love this movie more and more each day, really do, really do. I really love Rise of Skywalker, uh, but I, I there's a part of me that uh, understands, uh, uh, definitely understands where this line of thinking comes from. And if you're not careful, um, on a quick glance, it absolutely muddies it, 100%. Star Wars, though, does not want you just to uh, stop on the surface. It wants you to take a longer look. You can because there's some cool visuals. And you can kind of sit back and just enjoy it for what it is. And I know some people who do enjoy this movie. They don't love it, but they enjoy it. And they're just like, yeah, I, I saw it for what it is and cool stuff. And I'm good and I'll move on. Maybe I won't really watch it again. And I think that's a great, that's a great spot to be in too as a fan. And, and, and there's a great, uh, there's a, it, it's a great spot to also look at this and go, I don't like it. And let me dig in. We always love to dig in here. So I don't know. I will, I'll, I'll see where you want to go. I, I, I wrote the most notes in this section just <laughs> <laughs> uh well maybe we have uh uh some similar quotes uh yeah. yeah but i mean i think the thing that i go to is one agreeing with you i think that is uh is saying if you don't enjoy the film if you interpret it uh that way we always respect uh different opinions and we are sharing ours um yeah but I, for me one of the big things is i feel like uh reliable sources in star wars and we talk we've had episodes about unreliable narrators you can as a viewer you can listen to individual characters and go do i agree with that character do i believe that character is saying thing that thing in a pure way does that character have access to that truth in a way that i believe and for me we get a couple of quotes from what are reliable sources uh we get um Luke saying after he saved Vader and uh, Sidious was defeated for many years, there was balance. And I trust that, you know, uh, I trust Luke Skywalker as a primary source on the balance in the force. And then of course we get the voice of Anakin himself speaking to Ray saying, uh, bring back the balance Ray as I did. So I just start from the, the perspective of the storytellers uh, of the sequel trilogy are, are stating with, as trustworthy of sources as I think they have to say, yeah, the idea is all of Sidious's actions brought the force horrifically out of balance. And by stopping the active march of the empire that was perpetrated by Sidious, the balance was brought back. Yeah. There's still light and dark, you know, Moff Gideon's still out there doing awful things, but this huge imbalance in the force has been corrected and then there's been balance for a while 
for a long time, and many, many, many people have benefited from it. Uh, but the past is not the past, and the egg will crack again. And that, to me, is such a big idea in Star Wars that the balance isn't something that is ever just totally fine. It it has to be uh, kept. It has to be defended. I think that's why Laura Santeca says, without the Jedi, there can be no balance because th- some threat, uh, some user and abuser of the dark side will always rise and try with that greed to reach out and consume everything in the Jedi have to be there to hold it all in balance. And so for me, it, it's, it doesn't undermine the victory that Anakin had. Anakin and Luke and everybody who fought, uh, they stopped Sidious. They stopped the Empire. They benefited thousands and thousands of people's lives. And then there's even the part of the prophecy where you just say, maybe this is misinterpreted that the only thing that matters about this prophecy is this huge galactic stakes. Maybe it just mattered that Luke and Anakin made the better choice because they could, because they held power and they used it in a way that emphasized uh, compassion and selfless sacrifice and love. And maybe, maybe that is a victory all by itself. And maybe there are millions of chosen ones every moment across the galaxy who make a better choice. And that's a part of the prophecy. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, this is great. This is great. First of all, I'll start here too uh, uh, to, to add on what you're saying. The prophecy never states how long the balance is. If you just want to go there, uh, you know, forever. Um, it is always going to be undercut if you keep telling the stories. If fade out on episode six and the Ewoks are dancing and we never hear this again uh, and we never get a new Star Wars story, not even in Legends or otherwise, I guess you could imagine that it was permanent. And the dancing went on forever. <laughs> the Ewoks but, never stopped dancing. Yeah. Um, but if you pick up Heir to the Empire and there's characters like Thrawn and, you know, uh, a, a clone Jedi and there's dark side powers uh, and they're trying to defeat the light or move the move the uh the the, the line of scrimmage forward so that the, the that it's unbalanced, it's it's been undercut then. It's undercut in any story storytelling, potentially undercut because of what you're saying too with Moff Gideon. We don't know how far Moff Gideon's going to go. Right now, he's this dude that shows up at the end of Mandalorian. He's got a fabled saber and he's got an e-web repeating blaster that he's very proud <laughs> about. And by the way, I love Moff Gideon. Um, you know, is he just trying to control that area or does he want more power? And if he has any kind of connection to the dark side, does again that line of scrimmage move? It is always going to be. Uh, uh, potentially potentially uh, puts uh, out of balance because of what you and I keep talking about choice. And this ties into what we said at the beginning. We, we so fall into destiny as this of there is no choice. It's the end of the day. The sword has been pulled from the stone and all is well. And, and we know that's not true. Not, not in our stories, not in real life. And this whole sequel trilogy is this reminder that you still have the choice. Like the father says on Mortis, he says it, you know, the, the destiny, your destiny can change just like love in, in, in your heart can fade. It, it, that's, that's what he tells Anakin. That's and great. So that's, that's a great that's what he, Yeah, it's what he's telling the galaxy. It's what or what these stories are telling the galaxy. 
uh, destiny is not the end. And the moment you put your feet on the desk and your hands behind your head and go, well, that was fun. We won that one. Then maybe you've lost. Uh, and to your point of Lorsenteca, you want to talk about great pulls? That's a great pull. Lorsenteca tells us that in the first couple minutes. Yeah, the Jedi, it, 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 they're gone right now. Something happened. And Luke, the hero, is gone. And that's not good. Because if it isn't, uh, if, if, if it's Kylo Ren, Snoke, uh, Sidious version 3.0, or anyone else, anyone else, they're going to try to move the, the ball forward and, and put things in balance. And we need the Jedi, or perhaps people like the Jedi, to be there to fight back and hold the line. Hold the line. Hold the door. Hold yep. the line. Defend. Defend it. Defend it. And that's why... This is just drives that point home. I have some more thoughts too about who's a Sith, what's a Sith, and all those kind of things. But this is this is the the great. This excites me. I, I think Rise of Skywalker is speaking again to all the other previous stories. It's in communication with them. I really believe that. Yeah. Yeah. It, those are all really great thoughts, and it, and it made me think about just the kind of the literal visuals of Rise of Skywalker. Obviously, uh, Ben Solo fell uh, because of the manipulations of uh, of Puppet Snoke uh, through Palpatine. Uh, so that Palpatine is, he's been gone for a long time, but then uh, six years prior to the events of The Force Awakens, uh, Ben Solo falls, he becomes Kylo Ren. Uh, the dark side really starts advancing uh, via the actions of the First Order. It's uh, So there's this power to me of yeah, Sidious was alive, but the balance was restored because he's not doing much. He's just mm-hmm. hanging <laughs> from a machine claw, uh, yelling in rage on this distant planet, not really affecting a ton of other people, not throwing the entire galaxy, the entire force out of balance. So the balance is there. Then he manipulates Ben, and that dark side starts lashing out, and you start getting people in needless, pointless pain, like the Tico sisters, as the mm-hmm. First Order ravages worlds. And then Rise of Skywalker takes it that idea and makes it almost even more physically literal. And I understand maybe people wouldn't like it because it's almost too literal of Sidious is buried on this dark, remote world, literally underground under this crushing, horrific pyramid. But he is going to send out all of those ships is almost like a physical symbol of the dark side. They are large floating guns that are going to rule everything in terror and anything that isn't his. He's just going to eradicate. And it's literally going to spread out into the galaxy away from him. And it's not just his existence. It's not just that he was hanging there <laughs> from, mm. a, you know, an arm claw thing that was a problem. It was his action. And yeah. that's what Ray is literally defending against is that mm-hmm. action. And that's how, how it makes sense to me that Anakin put a stop to his actions. He, he put a stop to Sidious's actions uh, uh, flooding out into the galaxy. And that's what Anakin is saying to Ray is like, he's going to do it again. This literal manifestation of the dark side these horrific ships are going to pour out into the galaxy the dark side is going to be everywhere and you need to defend you need to hold the line ray mm. yeah which again we, we, we she does you know because because in her actions are you know uh, palpatine says i am all the sith and i am all the jedi and, and she destroys them through defense not through hate like he wants her to right and and that's a 
we'll, we'll discuss that ending a lot more here in Force <laughs> too, because I love it so much. Um, this idea, too, you know, you and I have talked about the sequel trilogy. First Order represents this kind of military and political, uh, you know, thing kind of rolled in one that, that returns. Uh, Abram saying it's like the neo-Nazis showing up from Brazil or South America or whatever you want there to to, to if, if that had happened in the real world uh, type thing. And, and but but beyond that, the dark side is always going to be there. If we discuss and, and about the Sith extremists to kind of answer some of that stuff, too. Um, dark side to me doesn't always wear the uniform of the Sith, but I love the idea that the Sith extremists kind of kept that dark flame burning, but they lacked, but they, but they're like a fan group. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. They're a fan group, but they don't have the true evil power, but they think they do. And they're close and they keep trying uh, as much as, you know, I understand Chad Palpatine isn't necessarily my favorite part of the point of the of, of, of part of the plot, I should say. Um, but it to me shows they kept trying, man. It's it, and Palpatine reviving Palpatine to, to be more of a, an actual power versus a spirit. Um, cause again, I don't see him just as a clone. I see it as the, the spirit of Palpatine and is, is in a bunch of other shells, you know? Yeah. To me. Bunch of other eggs. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> eggs. Yeah. It's a wing and a prayer and they never quite got it right, but they could have. And even, even now they don't have it right. It's just maybe their best version of it. Palpatine is starting to come back and he's moving things around the board and Snoke and Kylo are part of that. Um, and, and so it's, to me, it's, it's, you said it recently on an episode of just kind of this idea of the original trilogy was about defeating the Sith and the empire. And the sequel trilogy is about defending the galaxy from the first order or the Sith. And I think that's, what's going on here. They're not in control. They're trying to come back and they could have, they almost did. And that's kind of why it's a different battle to me. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a ton of sense, especially in this context. And I love what you're saying about the the Sith Eternal is like a a fan group, and it it really is. It's like they're starting this uh, internet petition to bring back the dark side, <laughs> you know. Uh, but they they're not going to get enough support until the events of the sequel trilogy. You know, they're yeah. sitting there festering, uh, sending out their uh, all their <laughs> their messages. Uh, their you know maybe their Sith uh, eternal angry tweets uh, about the dark side's better. It should come back, but it's not working yet until now. You know. Yeah, and I think I call them Sith extremists uh, versus uh, you know same 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 difference. Right? I, I um, think extremist is is pretty pretty fair. Sith and Turtle. Um, yeah, because again, they're, it makes totally sense that they're out there on this planet. They're like, oh, God, did you hear the word? Uh, we lost. And he, oh, God, look at this in our jar. The the energy of Palpatine just showed up. Uh, okay. <laughs> Woo, it's game time. They're trying so hard. And and uh, in the meantime, in, in, in the galaxy we know, uh, you know, outside the chaos of the unknown regions, there is balance. And then everyone has a choice to it. And it goes to the, it goes to the, you know, the idea of you and I've talked about it too. And you laid it down so clearly at one point, Joseph, we we've talked so much about it. I forget what an exact moment of, 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 of the Leia's victory, Leia being the rebellion to me, uh, the Leia's victory at Endor is uh, it's, it, it turns out to be more of a militaristic victory than maybe it, it was intended to be because the, the oppression is of the people and the people rise up in the real, original trilogy, but they rise up and form this military Radis comes out of hyperspace. This is the Rebel Alliance, and they win. And what immediately happens as the story continues, because we are blessed to have more Star Wars now, 
The New Republic is stumbling. They're not quite figuring out what to do. The Outer Rim's still kind of pretty active, uh, but we know they're there. They're trying, and then now Mothma wants to stand down. Other people don't agree with that. There's populists, there's centrists, and everyone is making choices because it's destiny and destiny's choice. And th- what we really need in the end is what we get in Rise of Skywalker. Leia's true victory is the people rise up, not a military. It's not a Navy, sir. It's people. It is a different battle we're fighting in the sequel trilogy. It just looks the same. Yeah. You have, you have to look beyond that. Yeah. No, I really like that point. And I think it's a, an excellent segue into one of the last things I want to talk about is it's sort of meta, but it is also to the actual story. Do you feel like the idea of the prophecy, the storytelling around it, the literal phrase, a chosen one, do you think that that in, in viewers' minds put too much emphasis on, the, on just this sort of a, a fabled, uh, you know, special chosen one with this special blood and took focus away from democracy and from just uh, sort of everyday people? I think it did, but it's not, it's not on George or Anakin or anyone. I, I, and it's not even on us. I just, I love a- analyzing this a little bit more of, we hear those terms. We see it. I'm sorry. Here I am, Joseph. I'm going to bring in Game of Thrones again. This is a lot of the problem <laughs> I have with some people's issues with Jon Snow. He is the boy who would be king who decided, uh-uh, I don't want that. I gave my all for it. I fulfilled my destiny. I died for some things. And, I'm, and now I come back on all I saw on the other side was nothing. And all I learned is you got to live now. Um, I don't want this. Uh, and, and so people, some people are upset with that. No, that was his victory. His victory was this, or his victory is that. And you could maybe break down individual game of Thrones plot points if you want, but the end game of him on the throne might've been a destiny, but he chose to go away from it. And that makes it real powerful a real powerful journey and lesson there. And that's what's kind of going on. We hear this and I don't know where it began. Is it Shakespeare? Is it Macbeth? Is it King Arthur? Is it the sword of the stone? Is it Excalibur is, is, is uh, pulled out of, uh, you know, thrown to us from a, a lady in the lake. Like, and that's it. End of story. Do we just not, do we just need to believe that as, I guess we're getting way beyond star Wars here, Joseph. <laughs> do we need to believe that as, as because uh, it's comforting and comfort's not a bad thing. It's my destiny to be great. Awesome. Now do the work and continue to choose to go in that direction. Um, yeah. And don't be arrogant. You might be a number one draft pick, but you still got to earn it. Uh, all that. So that's why, DJ, I don't know if I'm so far off the path here, but your question, but just when you hear those terms, chosen one, it immediately, yeah, you focus on that and you're not worried about worried about Padme and Bale's fight. Right. Which is how, how it you know, maybe one of the, maybe not how it is the only way, but that's kind of how Palpatine wins is that way. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's almost to me. And and again, I think this is uh, something that I know a lot of people have uh, different and strong and valid opinions about, and I'm just sharing my opinion. I think that it feels to me like that Luke and Anakin uh, were always meant to be kind of no ones. They're supposed to be, uh, kids that know way out on this outer rim planet uh you know luke's a real nobody uh then you get uh anakin he's you know a slave he's an, another no one uh ray's a scavenger and people spend a bunch of time reminding her that she should not matter because that's who she is uh but then on the other ha- other side of it 
you get a lot of, well, it's the Skywalker blood. It is, you know, almost an, oh, raise a Palpatine. And, and I understand the feeling that people can have that the storytelling might lean towards this idea of you have to be born like Jon Snow, a child of prophecy, and only that person can do the great thing. And I understand why people push against that, but mm -hmm. I feel like that is almost, to me, it's it's a byproduct of hearing certain parts of the movie and, and the movies, and I think those parts of the movies are very loud. That, that's why I wanted to talk about this, but because yep. having a chosen one, nobody else can do this. Only this kid and the prophecy said it, and we all believe the prophecy. That really leads you to thinking, this is not a super democratic story. This is a story about this one family, the Skywalkers, and I guess this other family, the Palpatines, just killing each other a bunch and dragging everybody else through it because only they can solve it anyway. Uh, and I understand that criticism but for me personally when i break down what actually happens it, it always comes back to a story of democracy uh mm -hmm. luke can't make that shot without han none of them can do that without everyone in rogue one um, making those uh sacrifices even this great chosen one anakin i don't think can do it can fulfill the prophecy without his son luke um and uh, and i think that final triumph in Rise of Skywalker that is Leia for her whole life keeping that that flicker of hope alive and passing it on to Poe and teaching Poe that, you know, we're never going to win this. This this tiny little band of us running around trying to survive, the point isn't for us to win. The point isn't for Luke or Ray to just, you know, personally, individually, all by themselves, go cut the bad guy's head off. The point is for us to keep the hope alive this tiny spark until everybody else is inspired mm -hmm. to say yes i will stand up and i will uh, i will take part in this and mm -hmm. you know let's say ray manages to defeat palpatine and she defeats uh, palpatine in a pure jedi way that is it's not out of hate it's just out of need uh in the galaxy doesn't show up still still got a problem with all those ships mm -hmm. you know uh, mm -hmm. Same thing, you know, if uh, if Anakin defeats Sidious on the Death Star 2, uh, Death Star 2 is still there. And so to me, I feel like the actual just events uh, are so democratic. They're so, you can't do this alone. And in fact, the more people who believe, the more people who are willing to uh, not let the fear and the paranoia and the sort of negative little demon that sits on your shoulder saying, you don't have the power. You're not a chosen one. The more people who don't listen to that and stand up and be Han Solo and say, I'm a kid who doesn't, didn't even, you know, want my last name. I didn't even, I, I come from absolutely nothing, but I recognize when I got to stand up in that we're a galaxy full of Jyn Ersos and Han Solos and they are every bit as big of a hero in star Wars to me as Anakin or Luke or Ray. I'm mentally clapping. Um, <laughs> so to this, the point and, and yeah, the use of the names, I, 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 I understand I, I'm with you. I understand what, you know, Ray being a Palpatine. I, I understand the effects it had on some lives personally yep. and what you needed out of it. Uh, really understand it and respect it. Um, we're not here to take that away from anybody. I want to go to the last Jedi and how this ties in to what you're saying and how the prophecy of the chosen one is uh, maybe also about uh, how it affects the others. Um, the lesson of that 
one of the many lessons presented in that movie is, is hi, we're in trouble. Hero, can you save us? And the hero's kind of like, yeah, I could. That's not going to do what you think it's going to do. Uh, what, what do you, what do you expect? And this idea that we always say, well, Luke's like the Obi-Wan of this sequel trilogy. I keep saying, and we've said it here and you've said it here. Uh, Jennifer back in the day has said it with us. Luke was the Obi-Wan, not of Ray's journey or us as fans. He was the galaxy's Obi-Wan, meaning Obi-Wan dies so that Luke can learn. I, I have to go on and I can do this myself and with my friends who I, and my people around me. Uh, Luke dies not just for Ray, but he dies for the, all of the galaxy to to know that we can do this. We don't need him. We have all we need. Uh, he would have been a great asset, but we have all we need, and that's more powerful. And that's why I think eight and nine are in communication. Yes, in nine there wasn't a uh, someone standing up going, uh, "Luke's sacrifice means X, Y, and Z to me," and that's why I'm here. I I, I understand that, and I would have loved maybe some dialogue about that. All right. Um, Beaumont Ken could have said that, um, <laughs> but it's still in communication. It's still in communication where the galaxy was still fearful that needed people to lead them. They need people to show it's okay. Um, but that is the choice. It is the choice to go, uh, you know, to look beyond destiny and how destiny can save you until how, how you can make the choices to save you and those around you. And you need other people, you know, the- yeah, absolutely. So, no, I think uh, mentally applauding as well. I think it is a, a great speech. And, and I think it is, a you know, it's it is that, yeah, ultimately in The Last Jedi, the galaxy didn't need Luke to do everything for them. The galaxy needed Luke to inspire them. And I think that's that cold conversation about he doesn't want to be a legend because he wants to take he wants to be seen as an individual, not some wholly chosen one. And he mm-hmm. wants to to take responsibility for the ways he sees he's failed. He's pushing back against that whole chosen one idea. And then that conversation even gets uh, flipped even more of like, yeah, we don't need you to do everything. We just need you to remind everyone that -hmm. they have power. They can make a choice to stand up and hold the line and, and defend themselves, defend the light, you know, Mm -hmm. and you know, uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but they need, they need you to remind them they can all be chosen ones. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's not a Navy, sir. It's just people. It's just people. Yeah. And again, uh, there's, there's a lot of complexity to it as you were acknowledging the um, I'm Ray from uh, nowhere uh, versus Ray Palpatine is really complex. And I do appreciate that there are a lot of strong opinions um, from lots of different perspectives about that. And we always want to have the uh, utmost respect for that as well while sharing our opinions. So uh, final couple questions here. Uh, speaking of uh, our opinions, <laughs> mm-hmm. Ken, do you think life should ever be guided by prophecies? What's the danger there? If you accept the things that Lucas has said that uh, Star Wars is for 12-year-olds of all ages, uh, what lesson do you take away in all this storytelling about prophecies? I think it's okay to be aware of uh, prophecies or beliefs or I'm not talking about Nostradamus predictions of the ends, uh, but as someone of, of faith, uh, you know, uh, raised in a, in a Christian church, I have some understandings of those versions of the end that uh, I, I grew up learning and reading about and, 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 and yeah, at times even studying. And I think they're all fine and dandy to look at. And I have some beliefs in that area as well. But uh, the example I give is uh, 
my father at one point, he's not necessarily like this now. And I don't think anything was inherently wrong about this, but at one point in the seventies told my mom, yeah, there's no point. Uh, the world's going to end. We're not even a register Ken for first grade. Wow. That would have been a bad decision. <laughs> <laughs> so you can have these guiding principles, um, uh, these prophecies, I guess, so to speak, uh, uh, hanging over you, but you still have to make, choices every day to move forward and to uh, give some room. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm taking it real, real world, real fast. My own experiences. Um, it is, it is, uh, it would be a bad thing to go, look, here's the chosen one. He's going to take care of it all. I'm going to go over here and have a hot dog and a soda and wait for the end or wait <laughs> to be saved. Oh no, I'm drowning, you know? And, uh, you just don't know. Uh, and so make the choices every day to, to live and move towards the light. Yeah. I think that's great. Uh, yeah, I think there's a little bit of, um, would you say that in your example, prophecies can kind of self-fulfill, right? Like if you didn't actually go into kindergarten, like mm-hmm. it, or first grade, it wouldn't have been the end for you, but it, 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 it would have been bad. Right. <laughs> I mean, and I, th- I think I said first grade, but I actually did mean kindergarten. Yeah. Uh, I was in a Montessori school. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, my mom won the argument. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and you and 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 that is why uh, I think there's some the Jedi kind of sitting around going, "We don't need to sign up for kindergarten. This kid's going to take care of it." Oh, wait, yeah, wait. yeah. There, there's some connection there. Yeah. I think for me, I, I think that's a definitely a, a great example that, that if you have predetermined what is going to happen, it very much affects your actions in the present. And maybe those actions aren't actually the best or even what you want. And you're, you're kind of using a prophecy as almost a little bit of a cage, uh, potentially, uh, by mm-hmm. saying I can't do X, Y or Z because I know this is, uh, no, what is what is going to be. Um I think there's also just for me in Star Wars, there is this philosophy that bubbles up often about being aware of the present and like, yep, you can see possibilities of the future, but the future is always in motion. It is, you know, the potential trap of, you know, is there any truth to uh, Anakin's vision or, or in Revenge of the Sith of Padme's suffering or did, it, did it, all that only happen because of Anakin's actions? All those kinds of questions. Um, Master and Apprentice does that great job of uh, Qui-Gon wrestling with prophecy, having been uh, fascinated with them. And then when he encounters one, decides to just write it out. And his answer is, I'm not going to let it uh, dictate my actions. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to, mm-hmm. because something bad's supposed to happen, I'm not going to necessarily believe that. And it, it works out basically because he doesn't resist it. And, mm-hmm. you know, and if he had resisted it, it would have caused all these other uh, complications. So I think there's some s- storytelling in Star Wars that supports that idea that prophecy can stop you from being open and flowing that prophecy is kind of uh, rigidity mm-hmm. you know and when you think about that in a sort of a personal uh perspective you you said jokingly about us ending up on four center you know and i've said before i didn't i didn't uh, move to los angeles uh, to talk about star wars as much but i'm really happy that <laughs> that i do because i get you know such great joy from this and from the community of listeners and other star wars uh, podcasters and going to star wars celebration and you know embracing uh how much star wars has always always meant to me and making it a bigger part of my life and if i had just stuck to my prophecy of like 
you know, prophecy sort of almost being a goal of like, this is exactly what I will do. You know, we all make choices. And, and I think it, it is healthy to say, here's, here's what I want to prioritize. And here's what, what I yeah. don't. But if you get to that level of prophecy, where you're mm-hmm. like, this is where I think I am destined to be. What might you miss? You know, what opportunities are, are there if you are open to the future always evolving and, and being determined by your choices in the moment? hundred percent. I mean, you're speaking to some other stuff from early parts of my career in LA and I'm in the, you know, I talk about the sketch improv scene. I was training over the groundlings and, and working with Kristen Wiig and Mikey Day and all these people have gone into great things. And my, my, I thought I swore my destiny was to be on uh, Saturday Night Live too, like a lot of people in this city and town and world, but I just was convinced. And I had some teachers tell me, no, it's great. It's very possible. You're very good at this. Um, make sure you're going to do other things though. And don't, and don't just stick on this path. And I remember telling one of my teachers, no, no, it's all good. I'm 20, <laughs> 23, you know, I'm, a, I'm an idiot or, you know, maybe 24, 25. No, 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 no this, this is what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. I mean, Lauren Michaels egg will crack. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, of of, of 10,000 uh, people doing uh sketch and improv. I am the one. And, and there are some who that is their journey, but they worked hard to get there. And I, because of that, uh, stood back and didn't work as hard. That's the, what would mark the early part of my career. So if Ray shows up and says, here's a lightsaber, can you save us? And he goes, great, ignite the green. Would have been awesome. But then Ray would have been like, cool. And she would not have been prepared for what was coming her way or what could yeah. have come. To, yeah, face her destiny and, and make choices. Yeah, yeah, great examples. Um, we, we obviously both have uh, some healthy respect and uh, some healthy uh, doubt about prophecies. That's great. What prophecy would you like about yourself? Uh, and is there any prophecy about you that you would listen to? Um, I listened to some back in the day and they got me nowhere, Joseph. Um, <laughs> I think the, 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 the prophecy would, that I would want to hear is that he, he ended up where he choose, where he ended up where he chose to go. Let me say it right. He ended up mm. where he chose to go. No, I really like a prophecy that's like totally open-ended, like a prophecy that's like, you will not listen to prophecies. That's your prophecy. <laughs> yeah. that, that's um, got some great uh, comedy energy to it. Uh, mm. I was trying to come up with one, like a totally jokey, fun one that was like, yeah, I wouldn't mind that at all. It'd be great. Uh, so what I came up with is one day you will eat a frozen pizza and it will save someone's life. And when I first came up, I was like, I was just trying to be jokey of like, yeah, I just, you know, I like frozen pizza. I eat them every once in a while. And it, that would be great if I never knew where or when or how. But somehow by me eating this uh, pepperoni tombstone at 1142 p.m., somebody's life was saved. But then it actually did give me anxiety. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. well, then I don't know when or how I better eat a frozen pizza for every meal. <laughs> and right away, you're getting into the danger of prophecies. Yes. Uh Pizza prophecies are particularly bad. They are. But if anybody out there needs me to eat a frozen pizza, let me know. And, <laughs> and I will face my destiny. Uh, I wanted to add this little PS. You had some great uh, mentions and quotes from the Mortis Arc. I know the Mortis Arc has a, a bunch of stuff about the chosen one. Uh, our deep dive episodes are already uh, go quite deep, quite long. So we wanted to save any big discussion of Mortis for later. Uh, we are burning through the Clone Wars as we're doing our rewatch uh, podcast, Clone Wars Report. And believe me, we will have a very long episode uh, mm-hmm. when we get to Mortis. But I know there are a ton of Mortis fans out there. 
uh, lots of uh, discussion of the chosen one in that arc. So I wanted to acknowledge it and explain why we didn't go uh, dive too, too deep into Mortis for this particular episode. Ken, do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, no, this is a lot of fun. I, 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 we've, uh, Force Center has been five years of just growing and changing and reexamining and, and, and also standing our ground on things we believe in, but also, you know, never, never maybe, you know, I always like ellipses in the end of, uh, sentences and not, not periods or exclamation points. Uh, and that's kind of our spirit here at Force Center. We have some strong thoughts and stuff, but a lot of it comes just from us rolling up our sleeves and looking into this. And this is where we come um, to for our conclusions. We love your conclusions too. And this is another fun discussion. And the chosen one's a big one. It's a big one. And it's one of the reasons that I love star Wars. I wrote about it in that, that damn book. And I look at it now and I don't, cause and I'll tell you why Joseph, cause I don't fully understand it. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that is a great way to end a discussion of the prophecy of the chosen one with an exclamation point immediately followed by, a question mark. We can know a lot, but is there always more for us to know? Probably. Question mark. Uh, so uh, that is our big look. Uh, Ken, do you want to know where people uh, let people know where they can find us? I do want to know, and I'll tell them when I find out. Here we go. Uh, now you can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center to join the conversation. You can like our Facebook page. We are on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, we put uh, a lot of the news videos up. I don't know. If, if my workflow is a little lighter at the end of the week, I might just toss this one up as a uh, audio uh, feed on YouTube as well, see what people uh, react to. It's always dangerous on the Internet, but we might do that too. But we are on YouTube. <laughs> Podcasts available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Amazon Music. Don't forget we have merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center and uh, patreon.com slash force center is uh, where you can go to support us more directly, or you can also support the show on Anchor, too. They take, uh, they have a uh, listener support button there, too. But always, we always say uh, one of the best ways to support the show is uh, spreading the word, telling friends, uh, doing all those grassroots things to get the word out. We really appreciate that. You can follow me at Ken Napsock for all the things I do and all of uh, news on updated uh, live shows and anything that's coming my way uh, coming your way from me soon. And uh, you can go to uh, your website too, Joseph, for the same thing. That is right. To find out what's coming to me or at me or through me. No, no, you can't find that out. I change that. I strike that. If you want to find out about uh, various comedy adventures, I have that uh, fantasy show, uh, comedy show on Adult Swim that I'm a writer for, Tig Tone. There's a link to uh, the first season of Tig Tone there, and to comedy albums and all sorts of other stuff on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at Joseph Scrimshaw. And that is it for us. So for this week, for Anakin, for Luke, for Leia, and for all of the people, all the people in the galaxy who have power, this has been Force Center. Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.